Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan, you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Special January promo going on by the Wingate by Wyndham right now as well. If you stay two nights in January of 2021, you get a free growler and a fill card for Big Sky Brewing. Big Sky Brewing just right across the way from the Wingate. So if you book, all you got to do is book through the hotel directly. Google Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula, limited to one free beaker per customer, but stay two nights, January 2021, free growler and fill card from Big Sky Brewing, and tell them Nuanas Now sent you. Love me some STP. Love Stone Temple Pilots. It is Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Riley Corcoran joining me, Coulter Nuanas from the ESPN Missoula Studios. If you missed anything in the first hour, check it out on the podcast. It's available on all your podcast platforms. You know how it works. I think everybody around here is getting a little more acclimated to the podcast way of life. You can also find it on our station website, 1029ESPN.com. Please rate, review, subscribe. The Nuana is now podcast, proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. 
The Wingate's having a special January promo. Stay two nights in January 2021 and get a free growler and fill card from Big Sky Brewing. Limit it to one freebie per customer. That must be booked directly through the hotel. Tell them Nuanas and Riley sent you free beer from the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. If you want to listen live, you can also visit the station website. The stream presented by Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. And if you want to give us a call or shoot us a text, 406-361-3688. That's 406 406- 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangich Brothers RV phone line. Did I tell you about Tutel and his CDs? You got you to gotta tell everybody uh, Okay, this. so uh, Ryan Tutel, I, to- I told you last week I was going to promise I'm going to stop talking about him, but I can't because it's so fun to make fun of him when he's not here. This is actually very nice of him and generous, and I'm very uh, happy about this. But Ryan, if you've been listening to the show for a while, we both love music. Um, we have a lot of common interests, and also we delineate on some things. Um, but Ryan, like me, um, was born a century too late. Uh, we both would have been much more suited to be our ages if this was like 1971. I think that would be right up our alley. Uh, but we both are compact disc guys still. I'm kind of getting compact. Disc. I'm kind of into the <laughs> digital music age, but I still I just enjoy this the put the CD in the deal, listen to the album. I think so often, at least previously, that's how the artists wanted you to consume it. And now I get it. You know, everybody's making mixtapes. Everybody's dropping five singles at once. The art of the album is not necessarily as comprehensive. But Ryan put on Twitter last week, late in the evening one night, that he was throwing away all his CDs and that it was the hardest part of his upcoming move away from society onto being a vagabond and living on the road. And I tweeted at him right away. I said, do not do that. Stop. I want them. And then the next day, all the CDs were right there on my desk. So I have like 300 CDs. It's like a museum of 1990s grunge rock and punk music, and it's just glorious. It seems to me like the equivalent of just finding the gold mine with baseball cards oh, back in the door, too. I mean, Tutel would be someone to me that would seem like that he would save like old baseball cards back He in did. The he too. brought me an envelope no of baseball way. cards, too. See, you're going to get into this. I'm going to have to. Our next rip session is going to have to be with you in studio because uh, wait till you see these. We got a good deal going on with Zootown Sports Cards. This is free advertising for you, Zootown, just so you know. But uh, it's as good as it gets. They let us open the deluxe packages on air. We have to return the cards to the place. But uh, we pulled some, some pretty sweet. good ones. And also, they know what they're doing because they know when I go down there to pick up the prize package, I'm going to spend a bunch of money they got anyways. You, they got you roped in They already, absolutely man. got me roped in already. There's no question about it. I think that uh, to tell, I think we need to have like a two tell remembrance in the sense of like a song, a song, a show, I, you know, like from the archives, from the deep tracks of Ryan Tutel. Like I can just see him right now voicing over a you know a track with a Saturday Sunday show on yeah, yeah. national radio. Hey, he could do it all. Did you were you a baseball card guy? I was. Up? Yes. What did you have any? Ooh, where, where's your cards at? They, you, do you still have them? I do. Are you gonna sell them or what are you gonna do? With I don't. Them? They are just so. They're one of those things where if you sell them, you feel like you're selling a piece of your soul a little bit where you know they might be worth a little something, but oh, still buddy. at the end of the day, I can't Dude. get rid of them. I've got them at home. I took a, I took it to Dodger Stadium one time and thought I left it and literally almost left the stadium, came all the way back down, believe it or not, and Usher still had them. I'm talking thousands of cards. I mean, wow. it, it would have been catastrophic, but they're, they're at home. I, during the pandemic, which I know we're still in, uh, experiencing, but uh, all of a sudden... Uh, everybody left me, so I had to uh, 
buckle down and double down on work. <laughs> but I started in this, a little bit of a slower time. I started on my big project of reorganizing my cards because I have, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, binders and binders and binders and binders, an entire bookshelf of binders. Of and all sports? Of, or? of, of, of baseball, baseball and basketball okay. mainly, but Man. also some football as well, but mostly baseball and basketball. And I used to think as a kid that the biggest value was going to be for the full set. And now I realize that it's more like once-offs and players. So I started reorganizing them based on all of the players. And so I got, you know, Pages of Chipper Jones and Frank Thomas. Did, and do you go by alphabetical, or do you? No, go, I just go. Kinda, okay. I just kind of go by player. But I've been sorting them based on uh, their relevance and importance to me. Like when I get through all of this, um, I probably won't have that much of an issue, you know, selling a couple pages worth of Cal Ripken Jr. cards, or you know, I don't know Frank Thomas or whatever. But I have like this crazy nostalgic attachment. Like I was going through all my Ken Griffey Jr. cards. I was like, man, these are the most valuable ones in here. And I can't, I don't know if I can get rid of them. I think Ken Griffey too, for kind of our age realm too, like his cards seem to be the one. Like he he's yeah, going to be the yeah. next, you got to get a Griffey card. Tony Gwynn. I actually believe you're not being a Dodger oh, guy. Yeah. I've got a lot of Tony Gwynn I got some stuff. Tony Gwynn's too, too. Clayton Kershaw when he was like number 86 in spring training I, back in the day before he was good. That that one might be a little sentimental down the road. We'll do a little Hall of Fame tomorrow, too. This is just randomly right off the top of my head. We're going to do some baseball, college football, and pro football Hall of Fame stuff tomorrow. But Griffey was elected first ballot Hall of Famer yeah. recently, right? Yes. He didn't get 100% of the vote. And I'm just sitting here. This is so crazy because no one's ever got 100% of the vote, right? No. and it's just, oh, Did Mario it, Rivera? Mario Rivera was the first one. The first one. one. Yes. But like I saw a reaction on Twitter, and it was just reading my mind the exact same thing. Who the hell doesn't vote for King Griffey Jr.? <laughs> A stubborn sports writer right? that wanted to be the story and not vote for. I mean, I mean, come on, come on, I mean, come on! I, He's the greatest defensive outfielder of all time, and he hit 670 home runs and hit like 315. That one's no debate at it's all. No debate. There's there's some guys that they, let's just skip the line a little bit. Let's sure, just, let's let's cut I the also, BS. Okay, I, we're completely off track here, but this is <laughs> what this show is all about. Is Nuanas now Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining me, Coulter Nuanas in studio. But this drives me crazy though, when. Because it's the Baseball Writers Guild of America, and I'm all about the journalists and the writers and all that, but just because a guy was a surly guy or maybe not that good with the media, they're then punished for that. And it's like, I just, first of all, it's baseball. Isn't like half the allure the guys that are surly that aren't like nice guys? Like that's what makes the game go round for every... I don't know, for every Craig Biggio, you need a Roberto Alomar, right? Like yep. for every Chipper Jones, you need like an Albert Bell. You have to have the the bad guy too. That's the whole allure of baseball. And I think Barry Bonds exactly. kind of fits that mold more than anyone else, whether you put the steroid thing to the side and just people just didn't like him. And that was part of the reason why he never was going to win popular opinion. He sat down the road with a Kurt Schilling too, where some of these guys don't even have a chance. And I think because we were going through it, my mind was racing as – you know, both of us tend to do it's just pinball over the place. How's Derek Jeter also not unanimous? That that was the one Mariano got it, and then Jeter was one vote shy, and some guy just probably felt just really good about himself. That you know what, I'm gonna be the one guy that makes sure Derek Jeter is not unanimous. Like, come my, on. My mom's three brothers are all big baseball guys that grew up in Southern California, right in the heyday. I mean, you talk about the Dodgers. They oh, yeah. were they were big Dodgers fans because I was right when the Dodgers moved to Los Angeles. They were living in the San Francisco area. But my uncle Kelly the other day, he texted me and he says, I'm sitting at dinner with your Aunt Lisa and she 
God, to honest, does not know who Derek Jeter is. No. I said, how? What? I said, I, you don't have to know about sports. And he, she said, he says, she said, quote, I only know about the important people, Kelly. <laughs> Kelly was like, this guy's one of the most famous people on the earth, let alone. I mean, it, there's some guys that have crossover appeal, right? I mean, yeah. he, he's a bona fide celebrity. This is not just baseball, right? Like he's, people know who Derek Jeter is beyond his athletic well, career. Or just right? go down the list of who he dated. That's just, what I'm say, just say Cameron Diaz or right. whatever. Like, who right. was he with Jennifer down Lopez the road? Lopez yeah. or J-Lo? No, that's Alex Rodriguez. It, yep, J-Lo. Well, whatever. Derek Jeter's, Derek Jeter's had plenty of... of uh, women in his life that are much more famous than him. That's funny. Just the important people, huh? Just the yeah. important people. Yeah, Derek Jeter probably. Yeah, he'd yeah. probably qualify top 20 all time. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, she, important she, people. She, she has. She, she'll get on it, I promise. <laughs> FS Championship tonight, Ohio State versus Alabama. I'm always ranting and railing about the FBS and, and the uh, relevance or lack thereof of the, of the broad scope of the division. I just think it's it's somewhat silly to have a 125-team division when literally at least 50 of those teams have no chance at ever winning the national championship. But let's be real. No, but, but, right. So let's be actually realistic. It's more like um, 100 of those teams don't have any chance to win a national championship whatsoever. And I think it's just a pay-to-play sport. That said, who spends the most money and has the most resources and has the premier programs in the country? The two teams that are playing tonight. And so even though I always rail against the FBS, inject this right into my veins. I'm totally into this. This game right here, I think that for college football fans around, and no matter where you're at on the side of you know how the FBS is structured right now and how, they're, how it worked this year with kind of bending the rules to make sure Ohio State made it not once, not twice, but maybe three times. Tonight, I think you put all of that aside and just enjoy kind of the culmination of what we thought. We knew all along that it was going to be two powerhouse teams kind of going down to this night. The semifinals were both blowouts. Uh, some of the college football season, maybe most of the college football season, I think I speak for a lot of people that follow it week to week. It was it was kind of lackluster in the sense of big-time matchups. I mean, you had your very few, but when you talk about these top three, four teams, there's just such a huge gap. But when you're talking about Alabama, Ohio State, the storied pedigrees of these programs. But number two, which I know that you're going to get into much more than me on this side of things, I think, Coulter, and we're going to go back and look at this late April, I think you're going to see 10 first-round draft picks play tonight. 10 first-round guys between the two teams. Well, that's what's so amazing about these teams, too, because my brother, uh, he... I think he's even more uh, a hater on the FBS than I am. Than you? Okay. And I was talking to him on the phone before the show, and he was. I was like, man, I'm all about this because of all the NFL guys. And I was like, I think that Alabama has multiple guys who are day one starters in the NFL. He's like, really? Alabama? They have good players, huh? And he's just being Mr. Sarcastic. But really what it comes down to, though, is I totally agree. These programs, if you were to say you had 10 NFL guys on your roster, period, that's amazing. If you were to say you had... 10 guys are going to be drafted in the top 100 picks. That's amazing. If you said you had even a handful of, you know, two, three first-round draft picks, that is incredible. But then you talk about the level that these two teams have reached. I think that the skill guys at Alabama, Devontae Smith, the the Heisman Trophy winner, Jalen Waddell, who's questionable for tonight but might even be better than, than Devontae Smith if he's healthy, Najee Harris, the running back, I mean, those guys are not just day one starters. These guys are like a top tier in the league at their positions right away. I mean, I think Devontae Smith should be a top 25 receiver in the league day one. I think Waddle, too. Absolutely. Then those guys will get picked in the top 10. And another name that you wouldn't even think before, I saw circulating, you might like this, Mac Jones, quarterback. 
Guess where they have them going in the latest mock draft, according to one side. I mean, top 20 probably. 15th to who? The New England Patriots. Ooh, now, that a, would be a little interesting, too. But, interesting. but, yeah, just down the road. I mean, just let's do the quick math on it. How many how many teams are there at the FBS level? I think, I think 125. Okay, so say 125 times how many people are on a roster? 100. Okay. So we're talking 12,500 players, and we're saying that we are seeing 10 of, of the, the top of, of that. The, of the top 30 guys. Yeah. I mean, that the, the odds of that, just... Yeah, percentage point, pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I'm talking about with the pay-to-play is it's not just about the revenue generator, the profit margins, or the outrageous sellouts. or, or And again, these teams are earning it, so it's, I'm not scrutinizing them for playing the game. They, they should be as elite as they are, and it would actually be even more egregious if they weren't. But we've reached this point now where because of technology, you can recruit on a national level. And so now it used to be, okay, we're going to try to get all the really good guys in our region. And maybe if there's a spectacular kid out there on a national level, we'll, we'll throw our hat in the ring. Now you really can recruit every dude at every position and you can get them. And because it's such a tried and true formula that they're almost guaranteed to send you to the league as long as you don't get in trouble, you don't get hurt. It's like you're just going to never stop getting Richer, you know what I mean? Like the talent ranks are never going to dissipate. It surprises me though that I know that we're here and it's the conversation that happens year in and year out. How is it that the secondary programs that are maybe just knocking on the door, how can they not break the gap? The fact that Alabama continues to dominate the SEC year in and year out. I mean, I know LSU last year, they were kind of the, the outlier when it comes to nationally, but just. I mean, the programs that are in there, Georgia, Florida, I mean, just down the road that Alabama is clearly that much better, Ohio State that they're clearly that much better than the likes of a Michigan, a Michigan State, perennial powerhouses in the Big Ten down the line, and then Clemson, I mean, compared to the rest of the ACC, it's, it's a no contest. But right. how do you break How do you break the gap? And I think that's maybe the bigger storyline in all of this before we kind of talk about who we like in the game is how do you change that around? How does somebody break into the top three? Uh, that's what I want to know is be, if uh, Oregon's got more money than almost anybody. If they can't do it, who can? I mean, Washington, when Chris Peterson was still there, they were knocking on the door. They, they had a lot of of first two, three round and they made draft it. I mean, picks. they made the playoffs. And they did make it to the playoffs, but the, but then the talent cap was so apparent when they were in the playoff, too. I, I don't know, man. I, I really don't know how this is how this all goes down, but we'll see what happens tonight because I think that the one thing that could derail you is injuries, but Ohio State is just so much more littered with injuries and COVID um, concerns than anybody else. I mean, my brother just texted me that they're thinking that they don't have an active kicker for tonight's game. <laughs> They, I know that they have a couple position groups that are kind of ravaged a little bit, and it seems to me, what does it always come down to in these big games? It's overreacting of the week before. And I th- I think everybody out there wants this to be a close game. And I think with how Ohio State played Clemson last week or 10 days ago at this yep. point, everyone's trying to talk themselves into, this could be a close game if Ohio State plays like that. But in all reality, they're not even close. I don't think they're on the same level as Alabama. I, mean, I would be shocked. If this is not a double-digit, maybe 17-21 point win. It, it, it all comes down to how does Justin Fields perform. Justin Fields was lights out. He was the best quarterback in the game against Clemson. Those receivers that Ohio State got, I mean, we're talking about Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. I mean, those Ohio State guys are going to be top 100 uh, bare minimum picks as well. I mean, those guys are elite too. And then the emergence of this Sermon kid at running back for Ohio State, he was sort of dormant early in the year, and he's been out of his mind the last couple of weeks, particularly in the Big Ten Championship, as well as uh, then against Clemson. Um, here's the thing about Ohio State. 
my roommate is an Ohio State guy. He's from that neck of the woods. And so Ohio State, admittedly, was the team that I watched the most this year by far because he always okay. is, he's got them on the TV. All, all five games they played in the regular yeah, exactly, season. Exactly. Oh, okay. Okay. exactly. But the lackluster level of effort that Ohio State gave until the college football playoff was maddening. And of course, my roommate and his brother were screaming at the TV all the time. Why are we? What are we doing? You know, we need to. We need to go harder than this. But then when they actually did put it all together and tried, you could see how lethal that they really were. And so I just wonder if they have yet another gear. Whereas Alabama, it wasn't necessarily like this. Oh, we need to kick it up to the championship notch because Saban just operates at a championship level at all times. I think that that again is twofold. Alabama. They coasted that game against Notre Dame. You could tell they sure. they pulled the reins off today. Let's kind of settle in. And then on the flip side, if Ohio State can do that, that will be one of the the they'll talk about this team forever. The fact that they barely beat Northwestern, they struggled against Indiana, but yet they beat Clemson and Alabama back to back. I mean, it'd be a phenomenal story. And if they can do it, more power to them. I just have a hard time thinking of a team that people were maybe upset about that they even made the top four because they only played so many games. Are they good enough? And all of a sudden, they can just absolutely beat Clemson and Alabama. I have a hard time thinking of it. I, I hope it's a good game from a fan's perspective, but I don't know. I, I think Alabama, a couple touchdowns. Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide, SWX Montana Television. Riley Corcoran joining me, Coulter Nuanas in studio. Uh, Justin Fields had such an amazing game in the semifinals despite being hurt. He was running more than he usually does. I think he's been reluctant to run as part of a business decision. But then he stepped it up and ran when needed against Clemson. Until then, he took the huge hit that you could tell hurt his ribs, hurt his kidney. And so he is still listed as probable. He's expected to play. But I I think that Justin Fields is really good. I actually would personally take him over Trevor Lawrence. I know that's an unpopular opinion. I think Lawrence is the more natural talent. I think Lawrence's um, personality puts him in a box. I think he's going to have a much harder time galvanizing an NFL locker room. I think it depends on fit. If he gets the right fit, I think he's fine. If he gets the wrong fit, though, I think he would have a hard time being a leader. What is that? What's the fit look like with Urban Meyer in Jacksonville? Because that's the more than likely coach and team pairing. Is Urban Meyer really going to go yeah, to Jacksonville? Yeah, I think he's going to do it. I think I think he sees it. He going back to Florida. I uh, think if Urban Meyer gets the number, I think if Urban Meyer gets the Jacksonville Jaguars job, he'll try to flip that pick and draft Justin Fields. Now that would be a state because part of it would be what's attractive about the Jacksonville job. Well, at least you know you're going to get Trevor Lawrence. If they sure. flipped it and got Justin Fields, I'll say this. If Justin Fields, if they beat Alabama tonight, that's a possibility. But okay. I, I don't want you to speak in that too loudly. I need Denver to take Fields at nine, okay? So we don't. <laughs> we need him to There's be around no at way nine. He's, taking, he's falling Man. to nine. We'll stop you guys eight. are going to get that kid from BYU. Oh, no. I don't you're already that. out on Drew Locke, huh? Yes, get, I'm done. See, I'm so you. done with Drew Locke. It's so nice to have a, a co-host that's rational. <laughs> get rid of him. He's no. To tell, to tell sitting here, oh, it's Drew Locke's gonna be great. To tell likes Drew Locke and the Browns. Like this tells you. I mean, <laughs> he, I saw him on Twitter this weekend too. He was all about the vindication tour for the Browns. Oh uh, yeah, he he certainly was. Okay, so you, I mean, you think you think the spread's right? You think that it's a, it's Bama by a touchdown, uh, two touchdowns or more? I think Bama by two touchdowns or more. I'm curious though. It, this is the highest over under in the in history with uh, seven, seven, 78 and a half is what I got it 76, at seventy yeah, six seventy six regardless okay, it's okay. somewhere somewhere in that crazy territory where if you just went by straight numbers they think that this game is going to be around the forty two thirty five number which is just bonkers to think about but 
you know, you read the analysts that follow these guys all the time. They think this could be Madden worthy. So this will be a fun watch. Alabama, Ohio State for all the marbles tonight. I'm sure you were watching the NFL over the weekend. It seems like there was games from sunup to sundown on both Saturday and Sunday. We'll take you through all of our best and worst from the weekend and maybe even give you a little preview of next weekend's games as well. It is Nuanas Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. There are so many questions that come to mind on why Reese picked this one. I mean, would he do anything for love back there? I mean, what's? I mean, meatloaf's great. I know that too, Reese. Meatloaf is fantastic. <laughs> I hope Kyle Sample is listening right now. Reese must have been in my back pocket today or over the weekend or something because I was hanging out with the Sample man watching the NFL and. Uh, we were making fun of him because he has such a limited knowledge of meatloaf. I actually think that maybe having an extensive knowledge of meatloaf is what you should actually be made fun of. But either way, it's a great track. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula Statewide, SWX Montana Television, Riley Corcoran, Voice of the Grizz, joining me in studio. If you want to hit up our websites, you can, 1029ESPN.com, Facebook backslash ESPN Missoula, or SkylineSportsMT.com. Got all the recaps from all the Big Sky Conference hoops action from over the weekend at SkylineSportsMT.com. And also notably, not a story about Jeff Choate going to Boise State. Had it ready because I thought it might break during Friday's show, and then it didn't, so we just left it to the Twitter machine, and that's about it. Riley, you got some stuff going on. You can obviously listen to Riley on all his game broadcasts on the Grizzly Radio Network. Can always The easiest way for me to do it is just go to the gogrizz.com, click on the schedule, and then you can go down there and you can get watch, listen, live stats, the tune in. It, you can find it whatever way you want. It's very simple to do it that way. And credit to the great SIDs over there, Nick Hallis, Eric Tabor, for making it one click and as simple as possible. Tune in app's the best way to do it, yep, I think, too, where yep. you just type in Montana Grizzlies Radio Network. Inside the Den podcast last week uh, had Travis Tecure, Mike Petrino on back to back. It was a good time to just maybe get a, a refresher on how you doing first off with the season. What do you think about your teams? Because both teams have some similar storylines inside the den coming up with the voices of schools with uh, Larry Weir from Eastern, Mitch Stroman from NAU, Chris King from Idaho, and then me and you going hey, to, buddy. you're making your inside the den podcast debut next week as well. We're really going to, we have enough, I think now, Coulter, of a sample size where we can sure. talk big sky hoops and we can kind of say, okay, pretenders, contenders, which I know we'll get to this tomorrow, but, but we don't want to tease it too much, but we're going to have some spring football updates tomorrow too for everyone to listen in for the show. But, uh, I know I'm all over the place. Big, big matchup this weekend. Southern Utah, Eastern Washington. Yeah, no doubt. Another shameless promotion. That's what we do around here. It's not shameless. It's our job. We're marketers. We're promoters. Uh, This week of Big Sky Basketball returns as well. I will be the analyst guest on that with the Big Sky Conference, Mary Lou's Cook, as well as uh, Denise Thompson. Nice. And uh, so we'll we'll have that uh, ready for you tomorrow afternoon, doing a little Zoom call uh, with the Big Sky League office tomorrow. So we'll have some, some takes there as well. Uh, and another tease for later on this week, Thursday, we will be joy- we will be debuting our Around Big Sky Women's Hoops segment featuring Krista Redpath. Krista Redpath was a great player for the Lady Grizz uh, back in the early 2000s, a Great Falls native, 
uh, and now lives in Missoula. And she's also spent the last handful of years uh, working as a color commentator. I know she's done some games with you on SWX Montana as well as uh, Pluto TV, 11 Sports. She calls all the Big Sky women's tournament games. And so we're going to be uh, taking an inside look at Big Sky Conference women's basketball, specifically Lady Grizz and, and Montana State, but also some other stuff around the Big Sky as well. And when you told me that, I was fired up for both of you because there there is no one that follows Big Sky Women's Basketball as much as Krista does. Just game in, game out, and knowing the storyline, she calls every single game down in Boise and takes it seriously all year. We're following the storylines of teams and how they develop in and out, and it's been really fun the last couple of years. Her and I have been able to call the Lady Grizz School Day games together, which is a totally different experience, and then, of course, the the rivalry games, the, the women's game on SWX as well. So, those have been some thrillers. Krista's great, and uh, she'll be a, a nice addition to the show. So, it'll be fun to have a, a Big Sky Women's Basketball segment. I'll be tuning into that for sure. No doubt. Let's talk a little NFL. Three games each day over the weekend. It got started out with uh, what looked like was going to be a boat race in Buffalo that then turned into a, a really good game. First and foremost, you just got to feel for Phillip Rivers that his career has just been on this repeat But reel. do you, though? But do you, though? <laughs> I mean. Like, okay, I, I got a story for you. The Big Sky kickoff media conferences used to be down in uh, Park City, Utah. And... Uh, Sean Rainey, our good buddy at SWX Montana, sports director, who's going to be uh, the every Wednesday guest host on this show as well moving forward. Sean and I play hoops together a lot in college. I was two grades older than Sean, but we played hoops together a lot in college, so we knew each other kind of casually. Uh, and then we started working together, especially when I was uh, at the Chronicle in Bozeman. Uh, I helped uh, kind of get some of his younger reporters there in Bozeman, uh, including my good buddy Jeff Eberly, kind of acclimated to Big Sky Conference stuff. And, Brew. What's up, Brew? What's up, Brew? What's good, Brew? I love me some Eberg. But anyways, uh, the first year that Sean got a chance to go down to the the uh, Big Sky kickoff, we hadn't seen each other in a while, and we hadn't uh, hadn't partaken in hanging out or you know sipping some barley sodas or anything like that. So the Park City's got this great infrastructure. You can ride the bus everywhere, so it's just money. You just take a hotel and just go have a good time and don't have to worry about it. It drops you back right off the hotel. So we're going out. We're doing we're, we're talking sports, doing the whole thing. At this moment in time, this is the height. This is probably 2012, 2013. This is the height of Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. I, at the time, hated Phillip Rivers more than any professional athlete on the planet. Hated him. And Sean and I got into this just vicious argument all about why Phillip Rivers sucked, why I hate Phillip Rivers. And it like blew up until the point where finally we were like, dude, we're going to fight each other if we don't talk about something else. <laughs> so then it gets all calmed down. But I have to admit that Philip Rivers is one of the athletes that my opinion has changed about the most. He is so unwavering in the way that he's operated. It's still annoying. He's still abrasive. But now that he's been doing it for dang near 20 years, it's like you got to have respect for the guy. I have respect for him when you compare him to what we saw from Big Ben last night because we haven't seen that kind of performance from Rivers in the sense where you can tell he's completely lost it. He's just, okay, and there's obviously a backstory with this. I'm a Broncos fan. And so you've got the most annoying quarterback that's good for playing for one of your divisional rivals. It, it's hard to root for the guy, but you can't uh, you can't mistake uh, his passion for the game, how unique he really is. The, the funny thing is, and I'm sure you've seen the clips too, is his, track, his trash talking because he actually talks trash and you're kind of thinking to yourself, what are you doing, man? But uh, Rivers can do it. I'll admit, I I didn't shed a tear yesterday. It was a, a nice comeback that they had. Um, I was also surprised, which I know we're going to do best and worst of the weekend, but 
that non-call late, I mean, that could have switched the game. The, the fumble that wasn't that they called in the fourth quarter with about two minutes to go. I don't know how it goes to review and it stays the same way. But long story short, yeah, it was a it was a nice up from the Colts. But isn't that kind of what we expected from them? They snuck in the playoffs. Do we uh, do we expect much more from them? This well, year? I mean, I, I liked the Colts all year only because I thought that the national media was spinning the reasons that they were good in the wrong fashion. It was all about Phillip Rivers and instead of being all about their great defense. And they're a great defensive team. And, uh, I mean, they showed it because, I mean, let's be honest, Buffalo's been so hot on offense. Holding them to 27 points is actually a good effort. I mean, yes. Buffalo scored 30-plus for, like, two months straight. But that said, the Bills are rolling, and I can't imagine what it was like in Buffalo because it was legitimately loud in that stadium. I mean, yeah. They only had 7,000 fans there. Tell me this. Was there a bigger party this weekend in Buffalo or Cleveland? Man, I have to look into the local government ordinances because <laughs> that's the, the, the time that we live in. I mean, bo- both of those teams have not won playoff games in – a long, long time. Oh, and buddy. they both did in the same uh, weekend. I mean, the last time the Bills won a playoff game was Dan Marino was the quarterback of the Dolphins, and they beat Miami in Buffalo. That was like the last great Bills team, and then they had this epic drought. The uh, the other Saturday games, the Los Angeles Rams spring the upset over the Seattle Seahawks. And I, I guess at this point, I know on paper it's an upset, but... Sean McVay versus Pete Carroll is not an upset, man. No. I mean, McVay's won six out of his last eight against Pete Carroll. McVay's got Carroll's number. He does. In the game, again, the overreaction, we talk about it. Everyone overreacted to the fact that Pittsburgh's backups almost beat Cleveland. Therefore, Pittsburgh should blow out Cleveland last week. No, that didn't happen. And everyone also overreacted to this game. Rams played the Seahawks in week 16, and it was a mess for the Rams. And everyone thought that was going to be history repeating stuff. Well, that was the game Goff got hurt. They had to try and adjust on the fly. That kind of throws everything out the window. The Seahawks offense, I'm not a hater here. It'll come off like I'm a hater. They've been a mess for weeks. They have. They really have. The Seahawks and the Steelers faded like a flower harder than any other team, I think, in the NFL. I just want to know, I, to me... To me, it doesn't seem like the Seahawks coaching staff is on the right page, on the same page. Pete Carroll, particularly in his most recent iteration as an NFL head coach, we're talking just the last 11 years since he took over the Seahawks job, has had this tried and true, non-thrilling, but very, very consistent formula. Every Pete Carroll speech you ever see, you don't win games in the first quarter. You don't win games in the second quarter. You don't win them in the third quarter. You win them in the fourth quarter. He says it all yep. the time. Yep. Seattle has gotten blown out and, and blown out their opponents less than any team in the league by so much. I can't remember the last time the Seahawks just got straight rolled, and I can't remember the last time the Seahawks straight rolled anybody except for the first four to six weeks of this season. Pete Carroll has always been Run the ball. Play defense. That's what we do. We're going to milk it all the way down the end. We're going to make sure it's close, and then we're going to give the ball to our star quarterback. We're going to win, and they're going to win more often than not. They've done it. I mean, at a high, as at, at as high a level as anybody in the NFC over the last decade, there's no question. But when they saw the apparent and obvious deficiencies of their team, particularly coming out of training camp, no pass rush. A young secondary that was in flux because they are adding Jamal Adams. He didn't know the scheme quite as well yet. They had some guys in legal trouble. They had some guys coming back, whatever. So the first couple months of the season, it was all let Russ cook. Let's just let Russell Wilson be the star. Let's let him win an MVP. Let's let him throw it all over the place. He threw, what, 20-something touchdowns the first month of the season? Through September, there was no doubt who the MVP was. Exactly. And then they, they gravitated away from it. 
They made the proper additions defensively to really shore up the defense. The second half of the season, I think they more than doubled their sack total. Carlos Dunlop was an absolutely a great addition for them. You know, KJ Wright getting back to full health. All these, all of these different factors. They got healthy. Everybody got on the same page. They started using Jamal Adams in this incredibly diverse way, and they became more of a traditional Seahawks team. Well, that said, though, they stopped letting Russ cook. They were starting winning games 17-13. to 13. And then it came back to bite them in this game because their offense, besides DK Metcalf, was largely non-existent. Russell Wilson completed 11 passes. Six of them went to Metcalf. Almost half of Russ's passing yards and both his touchdowns went to Metcalf. Tyler Lockett was irrelevant. The run game was irrelevant. The offense was irrelevant. And so it seems to me as if Pete Carroll said, here, we're going to play a different style this year. We're going to go beat teams 38-3 to like they did against the Cowboys in week one. And then they doubled down and backtracked and went back to their old style. But they just didn't have the dudes to do it because their offensive line wasn't that good. Chris Carson's been banged up all year. They don't have a lot of depth at running back. It just seems to me that Carroll tried to galvanize Brian Schottheimer and Russell Wilson and then just took it away from them. I think, too, in the NFL, you see it more often than not with how long the season is. The good teams are able to evolve midseason. And it's you said it. The storylines that we knew about the Seahawks coming into the year – they didn't really change much, and they never evolved as a team. And I think that the NFL is such an adjustment league that teams adjusted to them, and they didn't really make those proper adjustments. You look at a team like the Rams. It's very ironic that the Rams ended their season because what was the narrative last year with L.A.? I mean, everyone's figured out McVay. Well, guess what? They kind of retooled themselves as well, and they're the ones that are sitting in the next round despite not really having a quarterback. It wasn't like the Rams lit it up either. They were able no. to beat the Seahawks with uh, a quarterback that got knocked out of the game, a backup quarterback who had a broken thumb, and they and who looked awful and was missing things left and right, yet still found a way to win. So I think it's more just the evolution process of teams in, maybe it's not stubbornness by any stretch of the imagination, but maybe your personnel limits you or you hit a ceiling with personnel. And I wonder if the Seahawks are there. And we mentioned this last week, but the window on Russ, you hate saying it and you hate looking too far ahead. He's what, 32? Yep. What are we talking? Two, three years? I mean, at this point, we got to readjust our windows because I think that the way these guys take care of themselves now, the window gets a lot <sighs> broader, right? I mean, now we, yeah. we're seeing guys that are thriving in their late 30s. True. And, and Wilson has remade his game, so his athleticism is a very small part of it now as well. But but I agree. I mean, broadly, the window could be a little bit wider than maybe in the next couple of years, but also the window kind of might have already closed too. You don't know. Which, which also goes to show you, if your management, though... Yeah, you hope he can play till he's 38 to 40. Sure. But shouldn't you, if you're going to go all in, shouldn't you try and do something in the next two or three years where they're not having these consistent problems that it is kind of predictable. The Seahawks are very predictable with how their season can go for the regular season and uh, kind of turn itself on its ugly head here in the playoffs. The other storyline of this game was the best player in the NFL had his way. and That's all Jeez. Pete Carroll talked about in the postgame. He said, hey, you can say this, that, and the other thing, offensive deficiencies, Whatever he said, ninety nine killed us. Aaron Donald was everywhere all day. He's such a, an unbelievable player to watch. Honestly, the best thing I could say about Aaron Donald is that he is an unprecedented player. There's no, there's never been a guy like him that can control the middle of the line of scrimmage by himself like Aaron Donald can. And it's amazing to watch him just completely wreck other teams. Where's he going to end up? This was a fun little debate we had before we went on the air today. I mean, as far as all-time great defensive players, I think when you think of interior linemen, it's very hard sure. to get mentioned in that 
conversation. But he deserves to be in that conversation. Here's the thing is most of the guys that have the the, the uh, production that Aaron Donald has that played inside, Reggie White played inside for a, a good portion of his career, and that's probably the best comp. But Warren Sapp, John Randall, guys like that, Cortez Kennedy, they were all what you'd call a three-tech. They're playing an inside spot, but it's a little bit staggered to help them have advantageous matchups. They always had a guy next to them that was playing more of a nose that would eat up some blocks to get them the interior one-on-ones or the interior mismatches. Donald plays true defensive tackle. He can play the 5 eye. He can play the true D-tackle. He can play the nose. He can play everything, and he doesn't need anybody next to him. I actually, I mean, it's hard to say. I, I can't believe he wasn't more productive when he was playing next to Indomit Kinsu because he did have 22 sacks. But but even even then, you'd think he would be even more on that level yeah. because he's had a production on that level since Sue left. I think Donald is the greatest defensive tackle that's ever played. He needs some more longevity to prove it, especially from a numbers standpoint. But, I mean, I think there's been guys that have been flashing, have flashes of being as good of a pass rusher, but there's nobody that controls the inside of the D line like that. Torn rib cartilage. You ever had that before? Oh, Doesn't buddy. sound, it, it sounds does pretty not painful. Sound good. They're going to give him some special medicine, though. There's no way Aaron Donald's not playing. He is going to play in that game. It's just a matter of, I, I don't know if they can keep up. I mean, that, that to me, and I know we'll get to the matchups later in the week, and you will with your other co hosts throughout the week, but that to me seems like the biggest mismatch of round two. You talk about a banged up team. Short week on the road against a well-oiled machine that's had the break. I I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, yes, it does not undermine at all the effort that they had. It was dominant. We talked about it, too, that we thought that game didn't really seem like much of an upset, right? And right. I don't know if it's the divisional right. nature that both teams know each other, but you could go to the coaching, really, with it, McVay out coaching Carroll. Oh, and the Rams have had more playoff success the last yeah. couple of years. They really have. The last NFC game before we got to get out and we'll do the AFC in the last segment here, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers posted a 31-23 win over the Washington football team. Tom Brady looked like old school Tom Brady, threw for 381 yards and a couple touchdowns. Leonard Fournette got going a little bit, almost had 100 yards rushing. Mike Evans went Six catches for 119 yards. I thought Evans looked really hurt. I thought Evans actually tore his knee in the week before, and you could tell he was favoring it big time. He was, like, running these these uh, comeback routes and catching it while he's falling over, not trying to get hit. But talk about gutting it out because he, he was apparently very hurt. He was. In Tampa Bay, it's funny to me because they kind of were a mess a little bit throughout the season, and now they've figured it out when it matters. And, and I wonder... And you get kind of the sense with the Saints as well that it's more of, hey, whatever happened the first little bit, we're fine now. I mean, we just right. need to be ready to go. And it's ironic that those two teams are playing each other this week. But Brady found the fountain of youth yet again. I mean, the way he looked against, remember, we talked about that pass rush for Washington, yep. altering him, eh, didn't do too much. I wonder what Chase Young thinks. But uh, it was a gutty effort from Washington. I thought you you got probably as much as you were going to from them. And Sure enough, Las Vegas calls it within a half point. That was also pretty Shout funny, Shout out too. FCS, Taylor Heineke. <laughs> Looking like a seven-year-old out there, but, man, he balled for a minute. And one note, too, I don't know if you saw it today, but, uh, of course, Saints playing the Bucks this week. Former Bobcat Travis Johnson, they've announced, is the Wildcat scout team quarterback. He is playing Taysom Hill this week for the Bucks to try and prepare for the Saints. So, little Bobcat shout-out there that... Uh, he will be a prevalent part of the game plan this week. Got to love it, Travis Johnson. Uh, one of my, uh, he's a good character, man. He was he was one of my favorite kids to cover over there at Montana State. Nuanez now, Riley Corcoran in studio with me, Coulter Nuanez. Do the AFC games right after this.
Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan and you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Special January promo going on by the Wingate by Wyndham right now as well. If you stay two nights in January of 2021, you get a free growler and a fill card for Big Sky Brewing. Big Sky Brewing just right across the way from the Wingate. So if you book, all you got to do is book through the hotel directly. Google Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula, limited to one free beaker per customer, but stay two nights, January 2021, free growler and fill card from Big Sky Brewing, and tell them Nuana's Now sent you. Never seen Sticks? Yes. Sticks, Did you? Sticks and Ario nice. Speedwagon, man. They toured together, it seemed like, forever. Yeah, if you didn't see a Sticks Ario Speedwagon concert in the last decade, Did you see? Do you see uh, uh, Steely Dan when they were in Missoula? Yeah, at uh, Oakland Park. Yeah. That was great. With Doobie Brothers? Yeah. Yes. I was surprised the Doobie Brothers didn't go second, though. I, mean, I don't know. That's, that's a good debate. Who's the headliner between the Doobies and Steely Dan? Man. Man, oh, man. Very interesting. See, yeah, this is what happens when we're an hour and 53 minutes into this show. We have debates on Doobie Brothers or Steely Dan. I, I, like I, I knew a little bit about Steely Dan before that concert, but after watching them, man, that, that's uh, they're tremendous. Yes. Tremendous musicians. Yes. I was very, very, very impressed. It is Nuana's Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula Statewide, SWX Montana Television. If you missed anything from the show, you can check it out on the podcast. Nuana's Now or Two Tell Nuana's will get you there. You can also find it on our station website, 1029ESPN.com. Available on all podcasting platforms. Presented by Blackfield Communications and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. Wingate by Wyndham doing a great January promo. If you stay two nights in January of 2021, you get a free growler and a fill card from Big Sky Brewing. Limited to one freebie per customer, and you must book directly through the hotel. Tell them Nuanez and Riley sent you a couple AFC games to go through. The one that made your picks come all the way through, I guess the two. These were the two that you, that you got right. I think that we were on the same page about the NFC games. We were both kind of leaning Rams, even though that was a quote-unquote upset. And obviously the Bucks beating the football team was not an upset, even though they were the lower-seeded team. But uh, I was kind of with you on the Ravens, because I do think that the Ravens uh, – 
were hurt in the middle of the year. Now they really caught fire. And Lamar Jackson was definitely probably the top performer of the weekend, rushing for 136 yards and that unbelievable touchdown as Baltimore posts a 20-13 win. But you got to give a lot of credit to the defense, too, holding Derrick Henry in check. The Saints rolled past the Bears 21-9. The Bears... The Bears are an outstanding team on one side of the ball and the, one of the worst teams in the NFL on the other side That of the game ball. was boring. Like they're, The yeah. Bears are just inept that on, was on offense. They got nothing. Future, nothing. I mean, what they have right now, nothing. That was... Part of it, though, is it's the scheme, man. Like, they have to figure it out. I get that everybody wants to pile on Trubisky, but Allen Robinson should be a top-ten receiver. David Montgomery's a fine, if not good, running back. They're pretty good on the line. They have, like, 10 million tight ends that are all look the same. And they just suck. <laughs> Nagy can't handle it, man. I can't believe because he was brought in to be the guy that's going to be innovative a little bit. Well, and with then he ran his little do. cute CFL offense, and it was good for about ten weeks, and then everybody figured it out, and then they've just been the trash since then. Adjustment league, people adjusted, and he's not been able to respond. That, that game far and away took the title for most boring game. It absolutely did, and then probably the most thrilling, or at least the one that made you laugh the hardest, was the Cleveland Browns versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. The opening snap of the game goes over Ben Roethlisberger's head. All the way into the end zone, the Browns get a touchdown. It felt like Roethlisberger threw a pick about 17 seconds later. Browns again, then another turnover. Browns again, and all of a sudden you look up, it's 28 nothing. There's five minutes to go in the first quarter still. But then it looked like the Browns might blow it, but they don't. They hang on a 48-37 win, but first win by the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs. And I don't know if they won a playoff game in my lifetime. 2002? No, they were in the, the they were in the, the playoffs. The, the, the Browns were in the playoffs and they blew a twenty eight to seven lead to the Steelers and lost thirty six thirty three. It had to be even more fitting that they did it against the Steelers, but what a comedy of errors. That first quarter was just bonkers. And then again, you have to wonder a little bit with Cleveland. Okay, they would be able to play with house money. They were loose, they were relaxed because of all that stuff. To me, that was more Pittsburgh imploding no than it was. At least the Browns to start. But give the Browns credit. They were able to to settle in. I just, my whole theory and all that when we were kind of going through the games, the way Pittsburgh played the last month, they weren't a touchdown better than anybody. No, they weren't. They weren't. And I know the Browns had all the issues they did in general. We talked about culture earlier in the show with Jeff Choate and what he's done. Coach Stefanski for the Browns. For when he's not at the game, that proves your culture's intact that they can still go out and win that. More NFL tomorrow. Big question marks for the Steelers. We'll go over that. We'll also give you some picks for later on in the weekend, and we'll also have some more Big Sky Hoops and some Hall of Fame. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.